Hey. Hey. I'm Liza. And I'm Riss. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Harry Styles is actually the one performing the music on this week's episode. It's like, <laughs> come on out, Harry. Watermelon sugar. <laughs> uh, he's somewhere. Like, I'm. You're in Buffalo right now. I'm in Brooklyn right now, and he's probably in Manhattan right now. Isn't that wild? It that is very peculiar. Like, and on the day that you guys are listening to this, I'm going to be closer to Harry Styles than I have been in five, six years. Yeah. When's the last time you saw One Direction? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was September uh, September 3rd, 2016. Yeah, was that their last tour? Yeah, it was Ultra, and it was okay. uh, their Buffalo show. That's. I think I also saw them in like August or September of 2016. I think that was the last time I saw them. But I saw Niall in like that fall of 2017. Um, I do feel like we should address the elephant in the room that the lit news of the week is that I don't think Harry Styles got canceled per se, but don't worry, darling. And Olivia Wilde basically got canceled. And in turn, Harry Styles kind of got canceled. I mean, rightfully so, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Olivia Wilde should have been canceled a while ago. A while ago. Like in this situation, in this life, it's just us you know it's not the same as it was um but in this world i am team um what's his ted lasso jason sudeikis i'm team florence Pugh, and i'm team jason sudeikis and and that kind of makes me anti olivia wilde and harry styles i don't know why he's with her i really don't i don't either and that's why it leads me to like kind of judge his character a little bit right I think about the women who he's been with and I'm like what is wrong with him and and what is wrong with him right and and I want to talk about it too with like the books he likes as well like I'm starting to be concerned that Harry Styles might be a bad person (laughs) which is I can't handle that (laughs) I know it like hurt like I don't know why like I can't explain it like parasocial what is it called like parasocial relationships like you get so attached to these celebrities and then you think you know them and then you actually have the ability to be like angry with them in these past like few weeks I have for some reason been angry with Harry Styles and I'm like Harry what the fuck and like he doesn't owe me anything I don't know him I'll never actually know what he's like (laughs) but I I have these feelings. But I've made up my mind on how he's like since I was 12 years old. Right. And now he's rooting my idea of him. Which is not okay. It also must be especially concerning for Harry girls because I love Harry Styles, but I'm a Nile girl through and through and through since day one. So maybe it's not as devastating for me if he does end up being a problem. If Harry ends up being a problem, I won't know how to act. It'll like ruin your entire perception of the male species. We're such a, the directioners, we really put our whole pussy into these random dudes that we don't even know. And now Can't help it. it affected our mental health. Yeah. It's mental illness in it. Cause every time I think I'm grown up, I don't care. 
Harry Styles manages to hurt me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, I do. How want, does he do that? How does he do it? Um, what are your thoughts on his acting in that clip from Don't Worry, Darling? Which one? The. <laughs> the one where he's really aggressive because there's one where it looks actually he's like screaming and it looks really good but the new one that everybody's th- that the discourse has been on is i haven't like, seen the new one yet okay he has this line where he goes not everyone gets this opportunity and it's so bad the act I, I, and let me say this it could be that the trailer was made poorly and whatever's happening is being taken out of context and it's making him look like the acting is bad. But the clip is a somewhat long clip for a trailer and it is not, it's not good. <laughs> I'll also say I saw, um, a, I saw a clip on TikTok today for it, but it was Florence and she was like cleaning a window and then suddenly she was pressed up against glass yeah have you seen that one yes i have i thought that was bad i thought that was horrible this movie might end up being bad and so i think we as a culture just need to prepare ourselves for that hey we still got my policeman right yeah let's see what happens there i mean and and the thing is too i'm like maybe olivia wilde is a bad director but then i think back to Booksmart, which is literally one of my favorite movies ever never seen it it's amazing and so i'm like there's no way olivia wilde is a bad director my theory about what happened is she got distracted by her affair with harry styles and there was tensions on set and she wasn't paying attention to the movie she wasn't paying attention to the other actors and i think it all just i think it had the potential to be a good movie especially because florence Pugh is like one of the best actresses of our day and I think everything, everything that could have gone wrong, low key went wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people probably stopped caring about the project, and a whole mess occurred. I mean, how do you not get distracted when Harry Styles is on your set? I get it. I get it. I get it, bestie. But also, Harry Styles maybe maybe Harry Styles is not professional, but, right? And maybe he's not a good actor. We have nothing. To compare it to other than a few I, Carly, I got jungle worms, a uh, great episode. He great. did amazing in I, that. I was about to say we have nothing to compare it to other than I Carly and like a few minutes of that war movie. Yeah. Dunkirk. Dunkirk. So you know, it's possible. And that it's one very possible. at the end of Eternals, the Marvel mm-hmm. movie, which was bad. Like it was not good. <laughs> So I, I have fears. I have fears too. And I just feel, I get like real anxious about it because it makes me feel like when I was 12 years old and One Direction were performing on SNL for the first time and I literally had such bad anxiety, I couldn't breathe until they were finished. Okay. Because I want them to do good. That's also the tea I just remembered. He was phenomenal on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. On when when he hosted it himself a few years ago, yeah. he was so good. That's one of my favorite episodes of Saturday Night Live. Gotti, can't you see? You're the guy I wish I could be. Maybe he's like a comedy actor, and he's not supposed to be in all this serious stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Harry in a rom com? Now that would be pussy slay. I wouldn't be able to do it. Obviously, we're still gonna go see the movie. There's nothing that's gonna stop me from going oh, to the theater. Right. Nothing. I mean, I might do it. I might get it illegally, but I'm still going to watch it somehow. And also, we confirmed that he, you see his butt in the film. His real butt? His real butt. Yeah, but we can't act like we've never seen Harry's butt before. I know. I feel like, I just like, that's what I mean about these parasocial relationships. Like, I feel like I know, like, I'm like, oh, of course I've seen Harry Styles naked. (laughs) Like, I'm like, um, so that's just the fucking tea with that. Um, if you haven't guessed by the title of this episode and our last like 20 minutes of conversation, this is a Harry Styles themed little sleep much reading episode. Harry. Harry. 
And now I kind of want to analyze him as a reader and what that means. Yeah. Um, what are some books that Harry Styles likes? Well, let me tell you, besties. It's a little bit of a problem because he loves Bukowski, who's maybe one of my like top literary nemeses. I would put him up there with um, Thoreau. Obviously not all the way up there with Thoreau because that man is my least favorite person who's ever lived. That's a really never... I take that statement back because... There's some evil people in this world, but I would put Bukowski up there with like Thoreau and like Hemingway and like F. Scott Fitzgerald, like bitches we just hate because they're bad people and they hate women. Bukowski is there. Um, he likes Patti Smith, who is a raging racist. <laughs> he likes Murakami, who we love Murakami, but Marissa... What, we, we don't like Norwegian wood Murakami. And we don't like a lot of Murakami, some of Murakami's other stuff too, especially in the way, right, that he talks about women. Yes. And I will say, I read In Watermelon Sugar by Richard uh, Brodigan. I loved it. Only qualm, the way that women were described sometimes in this book. <laughs> I'm not Three. a Bro, bro, Harry Edward Styles, what are you doing? Like, he can't have mommy issues. His mom's great. Right. I don't understand. I don't get it. There might we. Oh, I also just remember that Harry Styles did kind of get canceled because he said like something like anti-gay. It it was weird. First of all. I don't want to even relay it because I think people should probably go look themselves because I'm going to say it out of context. But he said something about how, like, he's excited about my policeman because every other piece of gay cinema is just two men going at it or something. And I said, that was kind of a weird thing for you to say. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody's mad because he's, like, claims... Obviously, we don't know how he identifies because he's never, like, fully come out. He's a gay icon, yet he continues just not to do anything gay. And, like, that's not to erase his, like, bisexuality or whatever he is. But, like, he does continuously, like, he says, he said a weird anti-gay thing. And then he doesn't do gay things. And it's all just very confusing. I'll also say... For him to be like, oh, it's just like two two men going at it. Um, this whole this whole book, Norwegian Wood Guys, that's what I read for this week, was literally just like a young 19, 20 year old guy just having a bunch of sex. Right. And that's why I'm like, what? And that's a lot of what a lot of Harry songs are just about guys having sex with girls. And I fear based on the Bukowski. And the Murakami and the Richard Brodigan, that he may be a little bit of a misogynist. Oh my God, Harry. And that's not good. <laughs> not everybody gets this opportunity, Harry. <laughs> He's blowing it. He's blowing it. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I fear we put this man on a pedestal. And here's the other thing I was like, I was like really deep in analyzing this in my brain. I was like, if if a girl told me her favorite author was Murakami, I'd be like, that's pussy slay. If a girl told me she really liked this water, in Watermelon Sugar book, I'd be like, okay, queen, like, let's pop off. If a girl told me she liked Patti Smith, I still would be not really into that and if a girl told me she liked Bukowski I'd be like that's weird but maybe there's some like ironic thing here going on that you're in the way you're analyzing Bukowski that makes this okay mm -hmm. but the, if a man came up to you and said my favorite authors are Murakami and Charles Bukowski if like if you were on a first date and he said those are my favorite authors you would have to get up and leave right I, I yes <laughs> i would say are you sure 
are you sure about that is it is it for fun right like why what so that's that that's that's harry styles you're on a date with harry styles you say who are your favorite writers he says haruki murakami and charles bukowski shit <laughs> eyebrows are going up i'm trying to make eye contact with the waiter um i'm fumbling with my purse to get my card out i will be paying i will not let this man pay for me so the, the hand is going over the top of the drink yes <laughs> like what now we can't trust harry styles with our drink <sighs> and i thought we could but we almost certainly cannot then we can't trust anyone with our drink I think we can still trust Niall Horan with our drink. No, I'm going to tell you why. Because Niall is a little bit aloof. Oh, he's just a big old dumb idiot. He's a himbo. Right. He, it's not, he wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't no. let anyone else do anything. It just, he would just not be paying attention how he should. No, he would just probably Love like. Him. <laughs> you'd be like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Can you hold this? And he'd be like, sure. And he'd put it down. Yeah. Um, by accident. But he put it down nonetheless. You're right. So we can't, it, it turns out we can't trust anybody, any man with our drink. Maybe, no. Who were you going to say? I was going to say Louie just because he has sisters. So I feel like he should understand. Yeah. But I don't know. Out of all of them, honestly, he's probably the best bet. Yeah. Because it's not Liam. No. Zane's too cool to watch my drink. Yeah, Zane's not going to be watching the drink. I think we're just fucked. If you're at a party with One Direction, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> don't. Don't be that. Don't go. Don't be at the party with One Direction. Um, yeah, so I don't know. We've had some epiphanies this week. I know. I don't like it. I don't want to grow up. <laughs> I don't want to grow up. Yeah, so shit. Shit, shit. Well, why don't we, uh, oh, Harry. Oh, yeah. Now that we have, now that we're all disappointed and sad, why don't we get into these books? I read In Watermelon Sugar by Richard Brodigan, which the lore of how this inspired Harry Styles is I think one of his ex-girlfriends really liked the book and she made him read it. And then I guess he had a copy of it lying around while he was writing his album. And the song has nothing to do with the book, but he like saw the cover and was like, watermelon sugar, hi. That's the context. I also wanna say, I this book has like three other books in it, two other books in it, which I'll probably read. My favorite thing ever occurred. The back of this book just says mayonnaise and snaps and claps. Um, the other thing is this book has a whole person's address in it and their phone number because it's used. And I love when that happens too. So Eric, I hope you had a good life. I think this book is from 1999, this edition of it. So who knows when you got it, Eric, but I have your phone number and I have your address. Have well, you called the number? I haven't, but don't you think I probably should? Call it right now. Well, I don't, what I don't understand is, like, what is it, does it say, like, this book belongs to? Is that why there's a number in it? Maybe, because it says a first and last name, and then it says River Run, something, and then it says the apartment number, and then it says the town in Michigan and the area code, and then it has the phone number. So I guess it would, yeah, I guess he was like, if he lost his book, maybe he wanted people to return it. I also think it's funny because this ISBN number is not a 978 ISBN number. Mm, that is really weird. Weird. And. So what does it start with? O. Three nine five. So what's <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it was also only four dollars and ninety five cents. 
Very interesting. 1999 Northshire Bookstore. 1999 is popping off. 19. Hey, we were there. Hey. We were both there because this book, this book, at least the price tag, is from the September 24th of 1999. So we were already both kicking and screaming. We were alive. We were living. Um, we're doing it. But yeah, mayonnaise, that's my favorite thing ever. Mayonnaise is mayonnaise an instrument? Is mayonnaise an instrument? Um, I will say I read this whole book, the whole novel, 130 pages. Not really any clue what it's fully about. Right. It's just I don't even know if it's dystopian, post-apocalyptic. It's futuristic, um, and it takes place in this like society where everything is made of watermelon sugar um like all infrastructure is made of watermelon sugar so like their houses are made of watermelon sugar the oil that they use to like power their things is made of watermelon sugar there's like these watermelon plants like like plant as in plant but also plant as in plant you know what i mean um and that's where like their shit trout is a big part of their infrastructure um, there's this like compound called eye death, which is like the main sort of baseline of their society, I guess. And then there's the forgotten works, which is like a trash heap, which is where like the old parts of society can still be found. And people have like jobs, but their jobs are really weird. Like there's like people who are like, basically their job is to make sculptures super strange only a few books have been written in the past like 35 years like or not a single book has been written in the past 35 years so the main character is like working on writing a book there's talking tigers that's an important part of it but there's also not these tigers anymore but there were talking tigers i also have to wonder which is kind of funny like i do think it Having read Murakami and then having read this, I do understand why Harry Styles likes both. And I do think I would have some overlap with my taste as Harry because I do really like a lot of Murakami stuff and I did really like this. And to add to it, while I was reading this, I was like, I feel like Murakami has read this because it reminded me of some of his more peculiar like magical realism stuff. I do also now want to read some of Richard Rodigan's other stuff. He has this one, the book that's with this book is called Trout Fishing in America. He has one called The Abortion, A Historical Romance, 1966. Don't know what that's all about. Kind of want to read it. And then he has two others that I'm like, this sounds fun as three others that I'm like, these sound fun as fuck. One called The Hawkline Monster, A Gothic Western. Sombrero Fallout, a Japanese novel, and the Tokyo Montana Express. And for some reason, all of this had me like thinking like, I really just think that, because this guy obviously came before Murakami, but not too long before. He was born in the 1930s. And this in Watermelon Sugar came out in 1964. I believe Murakami was born in like the 50s. So I don't know, part of me thinks that these authors i don't think richard rodigan would have encountered murakami um but i do think murakami would have encountered richard rodigan and i'm like now curious to know about that um but that's a little summary of the book a little summary of the context of the book and then we'll get right into it for readability I gave this book an 8.5. I blew through it. I read it in two sittings. Um, And I'll just jump right down to form before I get into language and style and say that I gave form an 8. And the 8.5 for readability and the 8 for form kind of go hand in hand because I think the bingeability of this book 
has a lot to do with the form, which is these tiny, tiny, tiny little chapters, none of which are ever more than three pages. Yeah, and it's just very consumable. Like I kept being like, oh, there's only this one other little chapter, I'll read it. Oh, this next one's only two pages, I'll read it. Oh, this next one's only one paragraph, I'll read it. And so it was just very, very easy to finish in that sense. And like I said, I don't really know what the, I don't know how to fully explain the plot of this book. But at the same time, I kept wanting to be like, what's going on here? <laughs> what's gonna happen next? And I feel like that ties right into language and style, which I did give a nine. I love this writing style. I fucking loved it. It was like falls into the definition of the kind of writing style that I really like. Um, it's so weird. Um, let me see if I can find a, um, a good passage to read. The dialogue is super strange which I always really like. It's kind of like not all completely natural, which we know sometimes does not work well at all. But I think in a book that's already super weird, a natural dialogue works really, really well. I wanna find the part about the tigers. Where are the tigers? Okay, let's do this. We're awfully sorry we had to kill your parents and eat them. Please try to understand. We tigers are not evil. This is just a thing we have to do. All right, I said, and thanks for helping me with my arithmetic. Think nothing of it. The tigers left. I went over to Idef and told Charlie that the tigers had eaten my parents. What a shame, he said. The tigers are so nice. Why do they have to go and do things like that? I said. They can't help themselves, Charlie said. I like the tigers too. I've had a lot of good conversations with them. They're very nice and have a good way of stating things, but we're going to have to get rid of them soon. One of them helped me with my arithmetic. They're very helpful, Charlie said, but they're dangerous. And that's just like, what? <laughs> I don't know why that part stuck out to me so much. The, they're very nice and have a good way of stating things. Like, it's just these weird little observations about all these weird things that are happening in the book. And I do think that did actually remind me a lot of Murakami. And that's a lot of what I liked about it. Oh, I love this part. Okay, my name. That's the title of the chapter. Uh, my name. I guess you are kind of curious as to who I am, but I am one of those who do not have a regular name. My name depends on you. Just call me whatever is in your mind. If you were thinking about something that happened a long time ago, somebody asked you a question and you did not know the answer. That is my name. Perhaps it was raining very hard. That is my name. Or somebody wanted you to do something. You did it. Then they told you what you did was wrong. Sorry for the mistake. And you had to do something else. That is my name. Perhaps it was a game that you played when you were a child or something that came idly into your mind when you were old and sitting in a chair near the window. That is my name. Or you walked someplace. There were flowers all around. That is my name. Perhaps you stared into a river. There was somebody near you who loved you. They were about to touch you. You could feel this before it happened. Then it happened. That is my name. Or you heard someone calling for, from a great distance. Their voice was almost an echo. That is my name. Perhaps you were lying in bed, almost ready to go to sleep, and you laughed at something, a joke unto yourself, a good way to end the day. That is my name. Or you were eating something good and for a second forgot what you were eating, but still went on knowing it was good. That is my name. Perhaps it was around midnight and the fire tolled like a bell inside the stove. That is my name. Or you felt bad when she said that thing to you. She could have told it to somebody else, somebody who was more familiar with her problems. That is my name. Perhaps the trout swam in the pool, but the river was only eight inches wide and the moon shone on eye death and the watermelon fields glowed out of proportion, dark, and the moon seemed to rise from every plant. That is my name. And I wish Margaret would leave me alone. That's a whole little chapter. And I... I just remember reading that and being like, girl, what the fuck? Um, and I loved it. So I gave the writing a nine. For shelfworthiness, I did give the book an eight. I'm definitely going to hang on to this. Like I said, I do want to read 
the other two books that are in this. And now I actually want to read a lot of his other books as well, or at least see if I can find them. Because I actually don't know if it's really in print anymore, because this was very hard to find. So I would say that's my only one reason about maybe why you wouldn't read this book is because it was very hard to get my hands on a copy I had to go through thrift books and there weren't even many options left and some of them were kind of expensive so I did buy this one that had three novels in it just because I didn't want to like spend money on just the one like 138 page book but yeah I would suggest people to read it and I would probably read it again just because it was so short and it was so weird and I feel like I could get some like strange inspiration from it for the plot, I gave this book a seven. Like I said, I don't fully, it was almost more like a concept than a plot, but it did feel like a short story. And it did feel like I did like a lot of the things that were going on, but I can't fully say that it was like completely, a completely realized plot I guess but there were so many things I liked about it I already talked about some of them but one thing I just remembered too that I really liked is that the sun changes color every day so sometimes it's yellow and sometimes it's gray and sometimes it's blue and I just thought that was really cool there's a lot there's a lot of really cool things going on in the book and it is like this weird futuristic society and like there is this backdrop of this woman who's kind of lost her way and is with the this this these people that have sort of left the society and then there's our main character our narrator who's writing this book and he has this relationship with this other woman and he's sort of describing all of this that's unfolding but it's not it's not a plot heavy book and it's not a character heavy book like it, it is sort of this concept heavy book so if you don't like that it might not be for you and that is why I ultimately did not rank these next two sections this section and characterization as high as I ranked the others um because for characterization I also gave this book a seven did I particularly like these characters no did I get super attached to any of them no but it is a very short book. So there wasn't going to be that much opportunity to get attached to them in the first place. My only qualms with the book, which I know Marissa will kind of probably end up talking about even more with her book. I didn't love the way the main character described women. And I, and that made me think that I didn't love the way Richard Brodigan described women. I thought the women characters were kind of flat. And I didn't think any of the characters were super, super, super like whole, but the male characters were definitely a little bit more whole than the female characters. And you do have to say, is that just this being a product of its time? Because this book was written in the 60s, and this is a male author who was born in the 30s. And I think sometimes we can give Murakami a similar excuse. He was born in the 50s. He's an older man. You know, he's not going to be, I guess, woke. I don't know if that's a great excuse. But then the issue comes with... What happens when you have a guy who was born in the 90s? Because you can give Bukowski a similar excuse too, although I think Bukowski is much more violent than Richard Brodigan and Murakami in his, um, in his misogyny. Um, but yeah, so what do you do when you have a guy who was born in the 90s and living today and is still young saying, yeah, these are three of my favorite writers? it makes you go a little bit uh-oh uh so yeah that's kind of what I've been thinking about but I really liked this book I'll I feel like I put it in my top books of the books I've read so far this year because I just like I was tickled by it and that's what it is watermelon sugar hi he was tickled by it <laughs> yeah well 
Well. <laughs> oh, guys. What are we going to do with Harry? Post him in the bin. So, yeah. I'm going to have some comments like Liza did. I read Murakami's Norwegian Wood. And I have read Murakami in school. Only just like one short story here and there. I've never read a full book. And so I was really excited to read Norwegian Wood. Also, let's think about this for a second. The Beatles. Guys, 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 guys. Uh, we all have a love for the Beatles. Are they overrated? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah, they are. Were they all pretty much not great people? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, do I think John Lennon is the greatest guy in the world far from it my friend um and so norwegian wood i've heard a couple different things about the song one of the things that i've heard is that that song is about um a guy who goes home with a girl and is expecting to have sex with her and it doesn't happen he wakes up in the morning she's gone so he burns her house down is that true i don't know do I want it to be true? Kind of. It is a little silly, but I don't know. So let's just keep that in mind when we're thinking about this book. So this book is about our main character, Toru. He has a best friend and he's always hanging out with his best friend and his best friend's girlfriend. And then, by the way, major trigger warning for a uh, sewer slide and sexual assault. I'm about to talk about it right now right now this very second be very yes yeah right now so um yeah so his best friend offs himself and the main character goes away to college and when he was there one day he sees um his best friend's girlfriend again whose name I believe is Naoko and so um she's real strange and they go on walks together and she always like walks ahead of him and they don't really talk it's a little strange and you know he's having a lovely time he tells her stories he likes to talk with her he goes to her house for her 20th birthday and she literally just like sobs and then he just decides, you know, they both drink a bottle of wine. They have some cake. She's crying. He just decides, you know what? This would be the perfect time to do. Um, undress her and have sex with her. So he does. That's what he does. Um, very strange, very weird. And so they kind of have this weird relationship. And she disappears not disappears disappears he just goes to her house one day and she's not there and the landlord's like oh yeah she moved out like three days ago so she checked herself into a kind of it doesn't really explain it it's a little bit weird in the book but it's some kind of mental institution and yeah and that kind of sets the whole book off for him being like i'm in love with naoko but at the same time i'm gonna sleep with all these different girls and um, describe them as like the bigger one and the skinny one. And every time I meet a girl, I'm going to tell you what her chest looks like and how short the outfit she's wearing is and how she's prissy or not. And so, yeah, so he's in love with Naoko and writing to her. And then he's also sleeping with all these other women. And his new friend in college has a girlfriend, but sleeps with all these women totally normal and and Toro himself will even tell you that he has a girlfriend so it's very interesting that he's just going around sleeping with everybody um but that's just me bestie and you know during this time of writing to Naoko and going to school and you know he kind of doesn't care that much about school and what he's doing um and I mean this book takes place in like the 60s and 70s so it had a really interesting cultural backdrop of like the 
student protest and riots in in Japan and yeah so he could have went lots of different places with this and instead he decided to focus on this loser boy who I'm gonna bleep this name out but reminded me of Brandon he's so melancholic and weird and he's so like He like writes to her and he's like, oh, the day is so beautiful and I'm thinking of you. But at the same time, I'm like, you weren't thinking about her last night when you like slept with that girl. And then your friend knocked down the door and said, you want to switch? And you said, yeah, and you switched. Weird. Why is this in here? Why is this in here? Um, yeah, Very strange. He also meets a different girl during this time who... Uh, on the back of the book, she's described as a fiercely independent and sexually liberated young woman. Anytime a lady is described as sexually liberated, you know something's up. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right there. Just, you know something's up. Um, and so the, the, quote, sexually liberated girl, her name is Midori. And she's different she has like a pixie cut and she wears really short skirts and she talks about sex so she must be just like ah she's the one and so he's kind of having this weird relationship with her but the whole time she's like oh I have a boyfriend and he's like good I have a girlfriend but there's there's definitely weird stuff going on and yeah this book is pretty much about uh Toru sleeping with girls and I guess trying to figure out his life and if that's the kind of coming of age novel that you're into hey bestie good for you um it's not for me there was a lot of unnecessary sex in this book there was a lot of inappropriate relationships in this book like weird age gaps there's definitely one character in this book who I think is not a good person at all well actually now i'm thinking about there's quite a few characters who i don't think are good people at all but there's one who i'm like this is like a disgusting character to write and act like they are a good person and good character and i'm just so confused about it so also what i wanted to say is don't remember um oh yeah that's what it was So another reason why I said trigger warning for suicide was not only because um, Toru's best friend kills himself, but also because multiple other people kill themselves in this book. There's maybe like five or six deaths in this book, okay? And I'm pretty sure four or five of them are all suicides which I'm just and it didn't it felt like it was just done for like the dramatics of it which I'm just like ill <laughs> and, and after you once you got like three of them in the book it's not really that much of a shock anymore I'm like okay we have a real problem um in this reading this uh this this yeah this reading scale so for readability and interest i gave it a seven because i did i mean i read the whole book in like two or three days i find murakami's writing to be like real digestible and easy to read if i had to complain about something a it was boring but that's besides the point and b um there are a couple chapters in here that are really friggin' long there's one chapter that goes from like page 80 to page 166 that's wild and like there are little kind of gaps as time changes and things like that within the chapters but for one chapter to be that long it's just insane wild for language and style i gave a seven again i think i mean we we know murakami's a good writer i think with this book Murakami has the opposite problem of Stephen King and what I mean by that is reading Stephen King Stephen King has good stories but his writing isn't my favorite but when it comes to Murakami I think the story is 
crap. I don't know what this is about, but the writing is pretty good. And there's a lot of beautiful moments in it. There's a lot of beauty in the way things are presented. Um, the, his sentence structure is always really good. You could always say like, it rained the night my cat died on a Tuesday. But to say like, oh, the night my cat died, it was a rainy Tuesday. Well, it just sounds different. It feels different. Um, Murakami has that down pretty well. For form, I'm only going to briefly talk about it because he's doing that thing in this book where you start old and then you talk, you, you like go into a flashback for the entire rest of the book. And then a little bit towards the end, you're like, oh, and that was the last time I saw them. But 10 years after this, I found out that this is what they were doing and blah, 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 which was interesting. But I will say the end of the book did not go back to old Toru. It like we ended it with young Toru, which was interesting. Um, for shelf reading, read again. I gave this a five. I feel like you would be totally okay borrowing this. Murakami does not need your money. Um, and if you really want to read it, then you should. But I mean, eh. Um, the plot I gave this a four because I literally kind of like what Liza said. I don't really know what the point of this book was. I don't feel like I walked away with anything really concrete except that like men are shit and I already knew that. So I don't know what else he was trying. And I don't think he was trying to tell me that. I just think he didn't do great. Like it's hard for me to feel bad for this main character when he doesn't care about women at all. And like, if you sleep around you sleep around that's totally okay i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but you can't be like oh i have this girlfriend who loves me and blah 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 and i love her i'm so in love but then go sleep around with all these women and like don't tell her about it and just act like that's okay and you can't you can't have women who are telling you how they feel and you act like you're agreeing with them or feeling the same way as them and then you go sleep with a whole bunch of women and that's like like I don't know men are always like communication is key okay but then where is it because you're not doing it I don't understand so I was telling this to Liza too so halfway through this book I was like I really don't think that I like this book I don't like this whole other girl thing I don't like this main character I just feel weird about it and then 75% of the way through I was like oh like some of these moments are really beautiful like maybe I do like it maybe I understand what he's doing and then I got to the ending, and, I, and the ending was so bad. If you like the ending of this book, please message us. I'll give you my phone number. Can we have a conversation? I want to know. Like, I, I will give you my phone number. We can just talk on the phone. We can Zoom. I don't care. You can send me an email, something. I, I want you to explain it to me because I, I, I'm at the point where this, I think that the plot of this book was so bad. I just didn't get it. Am I just not getting it? Am I just like so angry I can't get it? I don't know. But I would love for someone to explain the end to me because I don't know besties. I just don't know. Um, for characterization, I gave it a three. Like I said, I didn't like really any of the characters. Like I, I guess I liked Midori, but she was just like, such a character that she didn't even feel real at all and I could tell she was written by a man like there's this one part in the book where she gets mad at Toru and she's like I changed my hair and you didn't even realize that I changed my hair I don't give an f does any girl really give an f like it's fun to like pick on guys and be like oh you didn't notice they changed my hair but like no, no one really cares about that. And the fact that she got so mad at him that she didn't talk to him for months only because he, like, didn't mention her hair. Are you kidding me? Are you joking? That's clown stuff. That is, that's clown. Um, she's just such a character I couldn't even like her. I don't feel bad for the main character. I feel like maybe everyone around him is dying because he's horrible. But that's just my opinion. And um, 
Yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. I think about it and I'm like, the fact that Harry likes this book, I I don't know. The, the fact that lots of people like this book, I'm confused. I, I genuinely feel like I didn't understand it. Can someone tell me what's so like miraculous and like literature-y about this book that everyone loves it? Because I read this book and I was like, this plot is... Like, even the coming-of-age story that this is supposed to be, it wasn't... There's nothing, like, meaty about it. I didn't get the meat. And we got to talk about that one character who's very problematic and... Huh? Anyways. That's a tea on that. That's how I feel about that. Can I ask, was there any magical realism happening in this book? No. Okay. I have a fucking theory that Murakami's magical realism is very good and his realism is very bad. Like his writing is going to be good every time because he's a good writer. But I think that he should stick to like talking animals and weird ass fucking shit. That would be nice if he could do that because this this didn't hit. Because I, I, you know, I was telling you, I was like, my dad is like Murakami biggest fan. Like he's read all of his books like multiple times. And I was curious. So I asked him, where would you rank Norwegian Wood in your ranking? And he put it like as like out of like his like 10 top book, Murakami books, he put it at number six. So like kind of in the middle, but closer to not the middle. Like closer to not yeah. number one, I mean. I understand because there were so like there were moments in here that I thought were really poetic and like really beautiful and I think back on it and I'm like oh okay in the beginning when him and Naoki would take their walks or whatever and she was always just like a little bit ahead of him that was kind of how the whole book was like she was always just kind of like out of reach for him and right when he thought she was going to be attainable like she's still out of reach right so like there were really I mean a little bit cliche and silly but there were beautiful moments like that there's a moment where um him and Midori are hanging out together drinking and singing songs while there's like a house burning down yeah oh which is like kind of beautiful like I think about that I'm like that's a really cool moment to have but the rest but it like didn't there were just gaps there were huge holes and like nothing it wasn't it wasn't blending that, that's why that's why I'm wondering because I'm like I think he's just good at when stuff is weird because like like I said like I've read After Dark and I've read his short a lot of his short stories most of his short stories are magical realism After Dark is magical realism and then I'm looking at my dad's list and he has Kafka on the shore which has a literal talking I think it no it doesn't have a talking cat it has the maybe it does I think it actually does have a talking cat but it also has the, like Colonel Sanders from KFC is like a main character and he like comes to the sky and like visions and then hard-boiled wonderland at the end of the world which is obviously like an apocalyptic novel like I, I think that the magical weird stuff is better and the stuff that's low-key based off his own life is not very or like based too much in reality is not good because remember that's how I felt about the whole collection of men mm-hmm. without women and that's really how I felt about his new collection first person singular because I did not like it at all and I thought they were both very misogynistic so maybe he should just fucking not do that don't be doing that but does that makes you concerned about Harry, doesn't it? It does. What the frig, Harry? Harry, I don't know about this one. Liza, you have to read it, though. I'm going to read it because now I really want to know what the end is. And, like, I don't want you to tell me. So I guess I'm uh-huh. just going to fucking read it. I, yeah. Boots the house down, Houston. I'm deceased. Harry, uh, we're questioning you. We're Let not, us know, Harry, what's going on? We're not canceling you, but we're questioning you. We're questioning you. Hey, Marissa. Yes? What are we doing next week? Next week is New 
musical? No, I lied. Next week is a readathon. Readathon. Um, we're gonna be together. We're gonna be together we're... for the first time since June. Yes. <laughs> and we're gonna party. And by party, we mean read books nonstop and see how many we can read in one day. Twenty-four hours reading books. And me and Liza are doing different strategies. Yeah. Apparently, Liza was like, oh, I'm going to read books from my TBR list, which is really smart. Um, I was like, I'm going to buy all different books and I'm going to buy books that are short or books that I know I can get through really fast. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh-huh. We're going to read a whole bunch of books and we're going to try. I think we're going to try to do it vlog style yeah. um, because we're going to start when I kind of leave for the airport. When I leave for the airport. So um how it's gonna be is we're gonna do like little voice memos and like record and be like, oh my god, I just started this book. I'm on this page and this is how I feel about this and blah blah. And then we're gonna put it all together in a vlog. Oh my god, someone's gonna get their teeth knocked out. They ass beat. Um So, yeah, so that's how we're going to do it. It's going to be like a fun episode, a little bit different format. And yeah, Liza, should we say some of the books we're going to read or? um, Yeah, we definitely could. Also, it is for National Read-A-Book Day. So even if you don't do a readathon that day, your challenge is on the 6th. Read a schmuck. Read a book. Um, but yeah, what are we reading? I'm looking at my TBR. Here's the T. I've left a lot of short story collections and nonfiction books in my TBR because I was on like a fiction kick. So I was like reading all the novels in my TBR and leaving everything else. So just off first glance, I see a book of short stories called Involuntary Sojourner and a book of short stories called um the dangers of smoking in bed and then i see two nonfiction books one called radicalizing her which is like a feminist book and one memoir called the magical language of others which is like this i think korean mother and daughter like exchanging their letters back and forth and she translated her mom's korean letters into english um and then I have a few other fiction ones, including one I'm really excited for called Mother Thing. And it looks really weird. And so I'm hoping I can get through some of these. All the short stories and nonfiction I have are skinny legends. There's another one called The Orchid Thief, which is a true crime about these people who stole like this really, really expensive orchid, um, which is kind of fun. And I, I've been wanting to read that. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping I can get through the skinny legends and then maybe read uh, what like what, one full novel at least. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm not the fastest reader, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Also, a super, super, super slow reader. Um, so I got things, and also, once my brain is getting mushy, then it's like mushed. So I tried to think really smart about this. I got two graphic novels because I feel like if I start to get a little bit bored reading, then I can go to the graphic novels and re stimulate myself and then go back to the books. So the two graphic novels are. Lore Olympus, which was recommended to me. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it, but we're going to try it by Rachel Smith. And then also Through the Woods by Emily Carroll. And I think this is a graphic novel book of short stories, um, which is fun. Then I got I got um, a couple shorter books that I haven't read yet. So Goddess of Filth. Night of the Mannequins. Oh, wait. Goddess of Filth is by V. Castro. Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. And then The The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker, which is um, the inspiration for Hellraiser. Um, And then if I get through those, I'm going to go to Autobiography of Red by Ann Carson, which I have already read, but I've been wanting to reread it. And it's short and it's uh, like lyrical. So I think that'll be quick. 
Then Tuesdays with Maury, which I've read The Five People Meet in Heaven and loved it. Never read Tuesdays with Maury, but I think it'll be a quick read. And then if I finish all those, I have Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, and I have Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin, which I'm very excited for. So that's that's our list. And if I get through all those, which I won't, but if I do, then I we we just we we win. We win. Fuck it, we ball, you know. <clears throat> exactly that. Um, I'm excited, Missy. Also excited, and I'm excited to be in the same place as all my friends. They'll be together finally. Yeah. We might have to punch him in the face because of the things we learned from this episode. We'll probably spit on Harry Styles a little bit. Just a little. Um, but, but we love you guys and thank you for listening. And we can't wait to do read a ton with you. And yeah. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Listen up. Listen up right now. <laughs>